What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, a.k.a. BTZ. Doing it nice, slow and easy. Welcome, everybody. This is the show where we talk about all the big stories in and around the Apple world. A lot happening. We have the new M2 MacBook Pro that just released and is in the hands of potentially some of you listening right now. We also have kind of the lineup of the future for Apple's new M3 processor already being laid, the groundwork for that, as well as new AirPods Pro details. So plenty to pack in. We, yes, I am still waiting for the new M2 MacBook Air, and I'm waiting patiently. We still don't know the official release date or launch date, but we're going to wait for that. Now, I want to let you know that I am recording remotely from the Bay Area in Northern California. I'm going to be doing a project up here uh, for the next two or three days. That's why the podcast is just like about a day late, just because I had to travel. And then also, they'll be going to a wedding the next week. So from a content standpoint, you might not get a video this week, but you know, we're always going to bring the podcast every week just because I don't have my gear with me, but we'll see. I I might even try and do something a little fun and different if I can squeeze it in. So um, just stay tuned. But let's get to the stories. This is episode 224. We keep on going strong with all of you, and we're going to talk about the new M2 13-inch MacBook Pro. So initial reviews, Apple did not send them out to as many people as you'd expect. Um, I don't know. I'm not saying I expect one, but I was not on that list. Uh, Some of the other quote-unquote, I'm going to use air quotes, prominent YouTubers did not get them as well. Mostly, a majority of them were sent out to the larger publications and outlets with a few content creators here and there. But the new 13-inch MacBook Pro with the new M2 chip, we know that Apple talks about how it's roughly going to be about 18% faster CPU performance, 35% faster GPU performance, and the neural engine, 40% faster. This is all compared to the M1 chip. Everyone is saying that the performance screams the MacBook Pro. Like If you were in a vacuum and you were only looking at just the MacBook Pro as a product and you didn't know that the MacBook Air was coming out, it is still a quality laptop. I'm not hating on the MacBook Pro at all because of the older hardware. I think that the performance, the fact that it's using a design with a fan to offer more sustained performance is great. But for me, I need to test that out. I think that most likely there may not, there's not going to be too large of a gap of a difference if I'm going to export something like a seven or eight minute YouTube video, which is normally what I do. I want to see how it holds up over the span of when I do something like a a 40-minute interview-type podcast. That's going to really showcase the difference between the M1 and an M2 machine, much like when I did a review with with the M1 Ultra that's in the Mac Studio. Basically, it performed almost exactly the same when exporting the standard seven, eight-minute video. But then once I went with the large, larger, more intense, deeper jam-packed 40-minute, 20-layer video, 20-layer audio podcast, that's when I really saw a difference. And I think it was like around a third, the the time that it took to export a video was was chopped down, a third of it was gone. So it was, is that 66% faster? <laughs> I, shouldn't, I shouldn't do this math out loud, but if it was normally 45 minutes, my video exported in roughly 30 minutes. I mean, it was really, really impressive. So we don't expect as many large gains 
But we still do expect, you know, like everyone is reporting, the performance is great. I think also another thing that stands out that people forget is how quiet these machines are and also the battery power on these machines. You know, a few writers are saying, I tried to kill the MacBook Pro with the M2 battery and the re- the suggested battery life is around 20 hours. And these are people that were trying to push it to the death and it still was able to deliver roughly 16 hours of juice when they're doing everything, you know, throwing high-end media files in it, playing video, and trying to just treat it like a normal, you know, day-to-day use. Uh, so it, let's not take for granted how impressive the battery life with previously the M1, but now the M2 chip is going to have it. It's insane. So these are available right now. Uh, we had a long talk last podcast with John Prosser, and Sam Cole about how this new 13-inch MacBook Pro with the M2 fits in the lineup. I'm still holding, sticking to my guns. I think we ended up, I ended up saying they'll sell 500,000 units tops in a year. At first I said 250,000, which I, looking back is a little low, but I don't think they sell a million or two million, especially when in the past, max sales are around 10 million for the entire year. This is a machine that, is, like I said, in a vacuum, standalone, great machine. For those of you that love the touch bar, you're going to love this machine. I think that there is some sort of a legacy for people that still love the touch bar. But you look at the M2 MacBook Air, it has a larger, slightly larger screen by 0.3 inches. It has quad speakers. It has a better webcam. It has a fanless design. It's thinner. It's a new design. It comes in colors. And also the base model price of a new M2 MacBook Air will be $1,199. And the base model price of a new M2 MacBook Pro is $1,299. I'm getting an M2 MacBook Air every day those two are put in front of me side by side. So I don't expect the M2 MacBook Pro 13-inch to surprise and all of a sudden go bonkers. But I said it, I feel like a year ago, the M2 MacBook Air is going to be the Mac of the year. And I expect that to pretty much hold up. And if they release a purple one down the road, I am going to get crazy. I want, give me purple on all things. Give it, you know, you know how I feel about purple. So let's talk about Apple's new lineup. Mark Gurman from Bloomberg, friend of the show, just recently dropped a new report here. Um, Literally just came out this morning. Kind of, laying out the additional products coming from Apple. Earlier, we know that this year, 2022, is going to be a big, big year for Apple, just products galore. And and quite honestly, it's also leaking over into the beginning of 2023. So Mark Gurman laid out what additional M2 Macs are still in the roadmap and expected to come this year. New Mac mini models with M2 and M2 Pro chips new 14-inch and 16-inch MacBook Pro models with an M2 Pro and M2 Max chip options, and a new Mac Pro tower with the M2 Ultra M to be named yet an M2 Extreme chip. That's not the official name. Maybe that's what it actually is, but we still have a lot of beef, and that's the only reason I love everything about the Mac Studio. I think it's amazing. But 
as a content creator who likes to invest, if I'm going to throw down that much money, I want to invest in longevity in the long term. I'm looking at what the Mac Pro Tower has to offer before I make my final decision. Is the M2 Ultra already overkill for most people? Yes. But I'm thinking like two or three or five years down the line. I'm pretty positive, right? You're seeing the incremental jumps from an M1 to an M2 being about like 18% performance. It's not that big of a jump anymore now that we've already gone through this transition of the new Apple Silicon. So for me, whatever this M2 Extreme is, that's arguably what I want, knowing that this would be a tower for the future that'll last me a while. And I know it's going to be probably pretty quiet, expandable, more additional RAM, larger storage. And for someone who's dealing with huge files and even, quite honestly, an eight terabyte computer for me fills up pretty fast. I would say arguably in about six months, if I just left all my files on there, I would have to empty them off, dump them off, back them up onto a drive. So I do want more storage. And as I evolve and hopefully even maybe move up to like a 6K quality camera down the road, um, I'll need more storage. So that's the M2 lineup that is still yet to be released and is expected to come by the end of this year. Mac Mini models, new 14-inch and 16-inch MacBook Pro models, and new Mac Pro tower. Now let's also talk about German laying down the groundwork for, hey, hey, uh, but we also have the M3 chip roadmap that is upcoming. So German reports that Apple will transition over to Macs with the M3 chip potentially as early as next year, right, in 2023, including a new 13-inch MacBook Air with an M3. We still have to get the M2. We're already talking about this stuff. An all-new 15-inch MacBook Air. Now, this has been talked about last week in my video because we had an interview uh, with John and Sam. We didn't get into it as much, but reports are that Apple is actively working on a new 15-inch MacBook Air, and it makes complete sense where it exists in the lineup because... I talk about that 13-inch MacBook Pro with the M2 processor that looks kind of like the the red-headed stepchild of the lineup. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. And there's this big gap from you know an M2 MacBook Air at 1199 base model. And then if you, let's say you get rid of that M2 MacBook Pro, the next price point starts at 1999 for an 14-inch MacBook Pro. And so there's, what, roughly an $800 gap? Apple's going to put something right in between there. And that something has got to be a 15-inch MacBook Air. And I also think that is going to be a killer machine. You have to remember, although Apple's packing all this power, all this power is really benefiting, you know, not only like creators and content creators on the high end, But for the general consumer, you're getting a quieter machine. You're getting a faster machine. And you're getting a machine with incredible battery life. So that's like just the gains you get right out of the gates. Um, When you jump from an Intel machine to an Apple Silicon machine, it's a world of difference. You feel like, oh, I'm in the modern age of like technology now. It is so fast. It is so quiet. And the battery lasts so long. I just can't say enough. I, I would argue... Well, it sounds silly, but yeah, it always it's always like, oh, this is the best they've ever made, and it better be. But overall, the MacBook Pro lineup right now, the 14 and 16, 
are one of Apple's best products, just from a full, well-rounded performance, price, processing, all the value that you get from it. Okay, so let's get to the 13, The sorry, the M3 chip up on the lineup, potentially coming within a year or so. 13-inch MacBook Air, 15-inch MacBook Air, a new iMac with an M3, and potentially this rumored 12-inch notebook still in very early development that Apple could be revisiting that super small portable 12-inch. I feel like for what I do on a machine like that on a 12-inch is email, surfing the web, word processing, Google Docs, and maybe a little photo touch-up or playing around with photos. That's about it. You could legitimately do all that with just an iPad and a keyboard. So for me, putting in a 12-inch notebook, it appeals to a smaller audience. I'd actually, for me, I mean, I know I'm being greedy here. I'd love to see like a 17-inch MacBook Pro bring back that super large screen, but not set, like bring it up to something like a 17.6 or 17.9-inch screen because we already have the 14 and the 16. You got to kind of almost hit that 18-inch mark just to make a big difference. But I, yeah, I'd say like 17 and a half or more. Ooh, that now you're talking. I mean, I love the 16-inch uh, MacBook Pro. It, it's just incredible. It's what I'm working on right now. So new M3s in development. Also, not only M3s are we talking about, devices that could launch later this year and beyond that are non-Mac related. A new Apple TV with an A14 chip, increased 4 gigs of RAM. What about a new HomePod? This is really gaining true steam and momentum using the same S8 chip that's coming to the Apple Watch Series 8, which is expected sometime later this year. We also know all the rumblings of the AR VR Apple headset that may have an M2 chip inside of it and 16 gigs of RAM. Whether that gets announced this year at the end or January, which has been the latest rumor, we'll see. Also, iPad Pro models with an M2 chip. We're expecting to see those. A new low-end iPad with an A14 and a USB-C port. We That's expected to be coming like an entry-level iPad with USB-C, making the entire lineup now USB-C. New AirPods Pro 2, which we'll talk about, and more. So there's so much on Apple's like queue. If you're just talking about this year, let's go over it again. So keep up with me. For M2 Macs, Mac Minis, 14 and 16-inch MacBook Pros, and a new Mac Pro Tower. Also, potentially new Apple TV, new HomePod, new Apple Watch, the AR VR headset, iPad Pros, an entry-level iPad, AirPods Pro, and we could see more. That is bonkers. Now, German also gave us a little a little T on the new HomePod and says that in terms of size, it'll be closer to the original, but it will feature an updated display on the top of the speaker. Now, if I'm one of those people that's been trying to pay for a HomePod, one of the OG original HomePods and scrambling to get it for higher prices on eBay, I would slow my roll right now. Right now. That that HomePod still... It's what I use to listen to music. I'm very fortunate to have acquired two HomePods, and I got them when they were refurbished. When they it was like two months after they came out, got them on Best Buy, literally for one ninety nine. It was crazy. 
It was like, yeah, it was like either 199 or 229. It was something stupid because I was not going to pay 349 for those things. I still love them. They sound incredible. The HomePod Mini is not as compelling, but I think if you're really trying to invest in this Apple home ecosystem, which is getting better, HomePod Minis in different rooms help out. But if you want that really good, good sound, you want that good sound, it's got to be the HomePod. That is currently discontinued. But that that's all that coming in the lineup. It's so much. There's so much more left to go in the year. I think my sanity will be very tested once this fall season comes around. Who knows if Apple does something even before the fall because of just all these products. Uh, what, that September, October, November time period this year, 2022, is going to be bonkers. A little bonkers, not as much, but pretty cool. Apple released their two new 35-watt dual USB-C port power adapters. So these are available now. These are new products that just came out. Uh, If you saw the MacBook Air first look that I did, you'd be able to see a first look of the new dual USB-C power port adapter, which is lays more flat. It has dimples on the side. It has two USB-C ports on the bottom. They're also releasing a 35-watt dual USB-C port power adapter. Not that... So one's the compact one, which I just talked about with the dimples. The other one is the same standard size of the 30-watt power adapter that we've seen before, but it now has two USB-C ports on it stacked on top of each other vertically, and this is a 35-watt dual USB-C port power adapter. So here's some things to know about, because people are like, 35, um, couldn't we have just gotten a little more juice? There's other companies that are putting out these dual USB-C port power adapters for a long time. So this applies to both the compact one and the standard size one. And you can check out my most recent video if you want to see what they look like. I I put them in there. So it's 35 watts of power delivery. If you connect a Mac and an iPhone or a Mac and an iPad, and that's the configuration that you're using for those two ports. So one's a Mac and one's either an iPhone or iPad, basically. Each device will receive up to 17.5 watts of power. Now, if you connect an iPhone on one port and an iPad on another port, each device receives up to 17.5 watts of power. Now, here's where it gets a little different. If you connect a Mac or an iPhone on that first port and an Apple Watch or AirPods on that second port, the Mac or the iPhone will receive 27.5 watts, and the Apple Watch or AirPods in that second port will receive up to 7.5 watts. Now, I'll tell you, that can be a little underwhelming, especially when you look at what's out on the market. You have companies like Spigen and Anchor who are have had dual USB-C charging power adapters that hit 65 watts, that hit 70 watts, that are distributing that power right down the middle in half that costs roughly roughly the same, if not the same or cheaper. Uh, Apple's dual USB-C port compact power adapter and standard power adapter, those are $59. I think Anchor's 65-watt dual USB-C power adapter was like 54 bucks. Um, again, Spigen and Anchor both have higher capacity dual chargers, and I get it. You know, you want that Apple design and aesthetic, and you want to be in the ecosystem. But let's let's not do that when it comes to power power adapters. Let's be smart about it, and 
look elsewhere because you're getting more power at a more affordable price with the same functionality. I think there's even a charger that Anchor has that has two dual USB-Cs and a standard USB-A connection on a single power adapter. It's not even that big, and it delivers more power than um, Apple's current power adapters. But guess what? You know you know what? who's going to sell a lot, right? Yeah, Apple's going to sell a lot. Also, Apple seeded the second beta of iOS 16, iPadOS 16, macOS Ventura, watchOS 9. They are now available to developers. It still has not been released publicly, uh, but this is the second beta. And there's some new tidbits that I just wanted to bring up, things that are of mention that are more important, but a lot, a lot of things surrounding like the new lock screen, which is kind of one of the crown jewels of iOS 16 and still really fun to play around with and customize. I have it on my secondary phone. Again, I'll recommend and really urge you, do not put a beta on your primary phone and ever complain, ever, whether it's battery life or feature not working as well or something buggy. Because I hate seeing people like complain about it. I'm like, well, you put on your your main device. It's a beta, dummy. Not that you're a dummy listening. You know what I'm saying in general. So lock screen photo wallpaper customization is coming. They're bringing some new duo tone and color wash overlays to kind of give you some more options. You now also, you've always been able to edit a photo that you use like by pinching and zooming, but it now has like text on the image to tell you like pinch to crop to change um, how the actual wallpaper looks, if it's a person or a background. You can also in iOS 16 beta 2 have the ability for backups over LTE. So that's in addition to a 5G or Wi-Fi connection. Apple actually introduced support for 5G backups in iOS 15 and has now expanded it to LTE in iOS 16. You have like a one of the astronomy wallpapers, which is really cool. It has like a green dot to let you know where you are in the map. Um, I think that's just fun. Really cool. And then there's wallpaper editing. You can. It's been tweaked to make it a little easier to put customize it. You have an iOS 16 Apple Cash and Apple Card. Uh, the send and request interface has been changed a little bit. Um, deleting lock screens is like a swipe up now. It's a lot easier to manage. Here's a couple things though. SMS filtering. So according to Apple's release notes in iOS 16's second beta, developers are at least developers at the moment are able to classify incoming SMS messages from unknown numbers and put them into 12 subcategories. It could either be transactions, promotions, purchases. These are categories to help you improve your organization of those messages. I thought that's kind of interesting and could be super helpful. And I'll I'll be interested to see if Apple kind of brings this up more to the forefront. You also have messages that does junk reporting. So you have a report junk feature that allows us to report SMS junk to carriers, very similar to kind of like a mail feature, but now an SMS. And there's going to be plenty of other kind of little things here and there. I wanted to add, I didn't talk about it as much, but I think the sleeper feature of iOS 16 is the fact that you can now turn on haptics on your keyboard. Um, you go into the settings and it's under, I think, sound and haptics. And then there's an option to go to keyboard haptics, and you can turn. You can still turn on the sound that makes like that click, 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 click. That like does that sound pretty good? 
Not really. That's my tongue. Um, so you can turn on the haptics, which kind of has that little soft buzz, but it feels really good. And I, you know, I, I got it set up now where I turn off the sound and I just turn on the haptic and I love it. And I think it just makes your keyboard come alive. I know it sounds silly, but it is my sleeper feature of iOS 16 that everyone will love. You know, I don't know how much more battery juice it'll use. It's kind of one of those weird things that I might have to test over a long period of time, but I really love the feature. iOS 16 isn't the only one that gets little goodies. WatchOS 9 will now add a new recalibration feature for the Apple Watch Series 4 and Apple Watch Series 5. That's according to the release notes. So this recalibration will result in a more accurate estimate for maximum battery capacity, specifically on the Apple Watch Series 4 and Apple Watch Series 5. Now, Apple introduced this feature initially to the iPhone 11 back in the day just to kind of make your battery estimates more accurate. This There's been no other similar feature in an Apple Watch until now. So that's coming to Watch OS 9. I think that's super welcome. The other thing here is in iPad OS 16, um, iPad Apple confirms that the iPad will no longer be supported as a home hub in iOS 16. So back in the day, people that wanted to use um, Apple's Home Kit and Home App to turn on your lights or interact with your smart home accessories remotely, let's say you didn't have an Apple TV, let's say you didn't have a, a HomePod of any kind, you needed to have an iPad that was powered on or connected to power at all times to kind of act as that hub to communicate to. They're removing that capability in iOS 16. And I think some people are like, why? Why would you do that? And I think it's a fair assessment. I don't think keeping an iPad in plugged in or hoping that it has enough battery juice was a long-term sustainable option for using Apple's home app. But what I think it might lean to towards is that now in iOS 16, because an iPad will not be supported, you basically either have to have an Apple TV, a HomePod, or a HomePod Mini. And I think for people moving forward, buying a HomePod Mini is a lot more affordable. It's sustainable. You could just literally have one HomePod Mini in the corner. And when you're remote, you know, when you're gone, or you have sometimes some of those auto location features when you drive within a certain distance or get close, it pings your house and then turns on a specific lighting configuration like welcome home lighting. This all can be done, but just no longer with the iPad as the center of the hub. Just so you know, coming to iOS 16, or I guess getting removed from iOS 16. The iOS 16 beta also includes a major AirPods Max audio and battery upgrade. So it was found by user Shrimp Apple Pro, who does leak some stuff once in a while. And the iOS 16 beta has found a new audio codec, codec LC3, that can be enabled to improve the audio quality of Apple's AirPods Max and also its battery life. So this is in the beta firmware that has been discovered. The LC3 codec is a newish low-power Bluetooth audio codec, so it's more efficient while using less power, and then it also has a lower latency compared to the current codec. It also works at a lot of different bit rates, so it can be added to any Bluetooth audio profile. That allows Apple to leverage it and now potentially 
well, not potentially, the results will happen if they implement this. This is in the beta right now, but Apple can leverage it to get more battery life and better audio out of their wireless audio devices. As my voice almost just cracked, it actually kind of did crack because it's early in the morning, but that's thanks to support for this new Bluetooth LC3 audio codec. That's a good Apple, if it's implemented. Let's talk AirPods Pro. AirPods Pro 2, I got my boy Alex hitting me up like every week. Hey, when are they coming out? When are they coming out? Alex, chill out. I told you fall. You don't watch my videos on time. I literally just talked about it. By the time you listen to this, you'll probably ask me about when are AirPods Pro coming out two more times. Yes, they are coming in the fall, or at least reportedly in the fall of this year. AirPods Pro 2, new details were just revealed according to a report from 52 Audio. Again, if you believe them, they are a leaker. They have shown off things in the past like renders of the AirPods Pro cases and previous models, but specifically dealing with AirPods Pro 2, the site claims it's received new information coming to these. One of the things that has not been officially confirmed yet, they claim that the AirPods will still maintain roughly the same looking design with the stems, um, but look a lot more closer like the AirPods 3, but with the plastic rubber ear tips. So I think AirPods 3 design-wise are great. They fit my ear better. Better. They still sometimes get loose when I talk a lot on the left side. I think they're more comfortable. I had said in my review that they sound better than the AirPods Pro. And as time has bared out, people are like, no way, blah, 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 coming at me. People are now saying AirPods 3 sound better than AirPods Pro. I believe that. So the assumption is that Apple will be using an updated H1 chip that also has the same similar sound improvements and acoustics that you found in the AirPods 3, but implementing them into these new AirPods Pro 2. Find My will be a feature implemented in the AirPods Pro 2, according to this report. Um, we've seen images of the actual speaker case, or the case have like a speaker on it, which would potentially make a chime noise if it is implemented into Find My, because right now it does like Bluetooth tracking where you get nearby, you get within a certain range, but it is not as accurate as an AirTag. Reportedly, that type of very specific within inches implementation will be coming to the AirPods Pro. And I think that that is really, really helpful compared to, you know, I, I haven't come across a situation yet, but AirTags hasn't saved me from finding my keys yet. I'm just saying. Maybe you have. The new AirPods Pro 2 are also expected to have heart rate detection and 52 audio claims that they'll be able to detect them from within the ear, which would indicate that there are sensors somewhere on the AirPods Pro 2 that make contact with your skin that will be able to detect heart rate. Also, temperature temperature detection has not been confirmed, but 52 audio says it may also support temperature detection. So two kind of health sensors within the AirPods Pro 2, if this is true. We talked about sound improvements the other thing is instead of lightning, the AirPods Pro 2, according to this report, could adopt a USB-C port in it. And then a new capability called hearing aid capabilities, 52 Audio says that the AirPods Pro 2 can serve as a hearing aid and sound will 
apparently be collected through the charging case, which must have some sort of mic on it if this is to be true, and transmit it to the earphone for sound enhancement and playback. Uh, I, I'm going to assume that if you have your case in your bag, it's not going to help you or in your pocket. But this is one of the new capabilities. And then we've seen kind of like that little lanyard loop hook uh, on the side of the AirPods Pro 2. They're saying that it's actually a hearing aid function and not a lanyard loop. And when I hear this, I'm saying this sounds more like a lanyard lanyard loop. <laughs> like I... The hearing aid function sounds super, super ambitious. And if we talk about ambitious, Apple's rumored game-changing ARVR headset is expected to be announced in January, according to Apple analyst Ming-Chi Kuo. So we know that it doesn't, you know, we've talked about this Apple headset, how it's intriguing, but how we're not excited, but we're, we're intrigued by it. So we're kind of excited, but it's been rumored for so long, it just doesn't feel real. And it's one of those, well, I'll see it when it's finally ready. You know, Apple's betting big on this mixed reality headset. Recently, there was a a report about different companies joining this new Metaverse Standards Forum. Guess who does not need to join it and who chose not to? Apple's like, nah, Meta, all you others, you go do your little forum, your little standards group. We're going to do our own thing. And that's the power that Apple has. Anyways, um, what I think about is interesting about the timing of this, and I talked about it in my video, is that January was also one of the only few times that Apple does a keynote. And the last time they did it was when they announced the very, very first iPad. And you have to remember, the iPad was completely poo-pooed and dismissed. It's a larger iPhone, and hell yeah, it's a larger screen iPhone and once Steve Jobs sat in that chair, kicked back, everyone's like, oh, damn, this is different. This is a different device. Also, I still think the iPad is a luxury device because it's like in between the phone and the laptop, and most people have those too. But do you really need all three? No, but do you want an iPad? Yeah. It's got the touchscreen, baby. It's intimate. I love my iPad. There's some weird different connection with how you use it. It just creates this different bond. So... If this event for Apple's headset is in January, guess what? At CES, when the iPad was rumored to have an announcement in January, the biggest topic that everyone was buzzing about is what is Apple going to do with their tablet? And this is going to be the same. When CES happens, yes, there's going to be energy and excitement around the tech there, but the underlying kind of feeling will be what is Apple's headset going to be like? Because there's plenty of VR demos and AR demos at CES as well, but that's going to be the big elephant in the room. And who knows, maybe it takes a little bit of thunder. Like all the buzz around CS is around the companies that are there. But when Apple is doing something like this, it takes attention away from it. So it's going to be really interesting to see. To kind of keep that hype train going, CEO Tim Cook, my friend, not really my friend, but I did, if you saw my social media, I did ask him what he thought about the MacBook Air. And I will have, and he said it's, feels great. It feels wonderful. So CEO Tim Cook did an interview recently with China Daily um, just within the week. And he was asked about what Apple thinks is important when it comes to AR and VR and the future of augmented reality. And he kind of hinted at Apple's work on the AR VR headset. He said he's incredibly excited about AR um, 
and all the opportunities around it. But he also mentioned that the critical thing to any technology, including AR, is putting humanity at the center of it. And that is what we focus on every day. He talked about all the AR kit apps that I don't use. Um, 14,000 of them in the app store. I didn't know that there were 14,000 AR kit apps, but I know there are a lot of fart apps. Is there a, is there a AR kit fart app or a fart kit app? I don't know. But Apple is still very early. He ended, he ended his interview by saying, stay tuned <laughs> because that's what Tim Cook does. Stay tuned. You know, I think that's, that's been kind of like his go-to line now, stay tuned. And I like it because, yeah, of course we're going to stay tuned. We're going to pay attention to whatever Apple's going to throw out there. And in the kind of the final fun story, this is my favorite story of the week. Captain America, he could do this all day, but maybe he finally can't. Because Chris Evans, yes, that Chris Evans who played Captain America, is finally upgrading his iPhone 6S. I repeat, Chris Evans is finally upgrading his iPhone 6S. Captain America definitely lives in him. He did this all day with a 6S. Uh, Chris Evans posted on Instagram, RIP iPhone 6S. We had a good run, and I'll miss your home button. And everyone was like, oh my gosh, what did he, what did he get? Like over two and a half, close to two and a half million likes. He has a picture of his dead iPhone 6S next to a new one being restored, which is being transferring the data, which looks like a, it might be a 13. I can't tell if it's a 13 Pro based on the lighting. It looks like a 13. Um, but he also did offer his criticisms. He said, I won't miss the nightly battle of trying to get you to charge or your grainy pictures or your sudden drops from 100% battery to 15% to completely dead all within minutes. It was a wild ride. Rest easy, pal. So you're telling me Chris Evans has had a success. My mom upgraded her success before Chris Evans upgraded his success. I ain't saying he's cheap, but Chris Evans should not have an iPhone 6S in 2022. Someone get the dude an iPhone SE at least. My God. What is this world coming to? Actually, when I say that out loud, (laughs) with what's happening right now here, yeah, actually, I do agree with that. My goodness. But anyways, congratulations, Chris Evans. Congratulations, Captain America. I do believe that this iPhone 13 will last you well, even though if you just waited for like a few more months, you could have just got a 14 and you probably should have upgraded your phone a long time. Like a 6S, can you imagine what the photos look like on a 6S to a 13 now? I would love to interview him just to hear like what his experience with the iPhone is. That'd be so fun. So fun. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Anyways, Chris Evans, a good dude, good human and great actor. By the way, for all you Marvel nerds out there, he even recently said how, you know, returning to Captain America because he loves the character so much would be so difficult for him because of what's invested, the story arc. Like, there has to be a story to to top Captain America's story, which I think is just not going to be done. Like, 
bringing him back in any way, shape, or form, even though it's comics, would just cheapen that character a little bit and remind us that, oh yeah, comics do bring dead people back all the time, but it was Cap! He did say, though, he's more than open to exploring returning as Johnny Storm in some way, shape, or form for the Fantastic Four. Maybe it's a multiverse version. I don't know, but that would be amazing. And I'm going to stop there. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Oh, man, appreciate it so much. Thanks for hanging out with us. It's always fun to do this show, and we enjoy it thoroughly. We also got to give a big thanks to our Platinum Apples at the $100 level. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Lewis, and Atari Koenigsegg. Thank you for your support. Thank you to all of you who have continued to support this show, my content, everything. Uh, you allow me to keep on doing this. I say it all the time, but I'm so grateful. And that is why even when I'm traveling and it's a little tricky, I am going to, at the minimum bring you this podcast every week to give you that that fix of apple news and you know it's always nice it's like it's like we're weekly friends we are it's crazy so thank you everyone so much for hanging out with us we will talk to you soon and hopefully we will find out soon about that m2 macbook air but that's gonna do for the apple bits xl we'll see you next time same bat time same bat channel it's the apple bits xl baby peace